It's 4.15 a.m. on February 12, 1988. A heating and air conditioning mechanic is laying in bed, just wishing that he could get another couple of hours of sleep before he has to go face another cold and blistery day on the job. Unfortunately, today's not going to be that day. He hears a noise down the hall. Not being a punk, he's going to go see what it is. He hops out of bed, grabs a baseball bat, and makes his way out of his bedroom. As he gets down the hallway, he sees some light shining from under the door of his son's bedroom. He opens the door, only to find his son with this giant textbook highlighter in hand. Disappointedly, the father says, What the hell are you doing? The son looks at him and says, Dad, nothing. I'm just reading my social studies textbook. The father says, Why? Did you forget to do your homework? What, do you have a big test today? The son looks back and says, No. I just want to make sure I know the answer to every question the teacher's going to ask. Now that, that boy, that son, that was me. And this was around the time, my 10-year-old self, this is the time when I began to have problems with sleep. This episode today is going to talk about sleep. And it's going to talk about the, va- the value of sleep, how much sleep you should get, when you should get it, and how my whole journey began with not being able to sleep in the first place. So let's start with this journey. When I was in about the fifth grade, for whatever reason, I wanted to get everything right. I even think it was in the first grade that I, my parent, that at a parent-teacher conference, the teacher said, your son gets visibly upset if he doesn't get everything right in class. But in the fifth grade, I started to figure out what was happening. Teachers would be a chapter or two ahead of us. They would ask us questions from that chapter, and I didn't want them to ask me questions that I didn't know. So what I started doing at the age of 10 was getting up early before school and reading the school textbook chapters ahead of what we were already learning now so that by the time the teacher got to it, I already knew all the answers to the test. This is not a, a good idea. Now, some people say, and if you link it back to things that 50 Cent said, sleep is for poor, pe- poor people, right? There's people that say, uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. There's conversations about Dr. Dre working for 80 hours in a flow state without any sleep. Well, this was kind of my mindset at 10 years old. I was giving up sleep so that I could be the best in my class. But what you're going to find out today in this podcast is that if you don't sleep, everything else that you do is going to get worse. So let's just talk about that. We're going to kick it off the same way we did with breathing. If you want to lose more body fat, you need to sleep. If you want to increase testosterone, sleep. If you want to run faster and jump higher, sleep. Want to bench more, sleep. Want to not get hurt on a field, sleep. You want to recover faster, sleep. Want to improve the skills for your sport, sleep. Want to solve problems, sleep. Right, And how does all of this stuff relate back to that secrets of strength, that pyramid that we had? Well, the base of that pyramid was breathing. And I told you, if you do breathing right, it's going to make everything else easier along the way. The next level up from breathing was sleep. And I'm going to tell you again, if you breathe right, you're going to sleep better. And if you sleep better, you're going to do everything else right along the way. So let's talk about what happens when you don't get enough sleep. And we're going to start this conversation off by discussing what the role of sleep is in the first place. The role of sleep is to facilitate the optimal functioning of everything you do while you're awake. So before we go any further in this conversation, just let that sink in. If you're giving up sleep so that you think you can do something better, for example, I'm gonna, I had a late night at work or I watched some stupid TV show, but I want to get jacked up. So I go to bed at midnight and I wake up at 4 to go to the gym because I want to get strong. Well, guess what? You're not getting better at that thing. Because when you lose sleep, 
your testosterone production goes down by 15%. So if you think you're getting stronger, you're going to jump higher because you're going to the gym and not missing that workout session, you're wrong. Well, let's just say, look, you say, ah, I feel fat. I got to get to the gym. Well, guess what? Not going to getting enough sleep means you're going to increase your body fat percentage. You metabolize food differently. You store carbs differently. When you're sleep deprived, you make bad decisions on what to eat. You start craving bad foods. What about, uh, you know, I, I got to stay healthy, man, so I can train more. Well, guess what? If you don't get enough sleep, if you get less than 40, so if you get less than five hours of sleep, if you get less than five hours of sleep, and you're, say, you're in a, a conference room, or you're on a, a bus, or you're on a Staten Island Railway, or you're in a football meeting with a bunch of guys around you, if you get less than five hours of sleep, you have a 45% chance of getting sick. But if you get greater than seven hours of sleep, you have less than a 20% chance of getting sick. What about brain health? I don't know if you knew this, but while you're sleeping, what's happening is the brain is getting rid of waste. If you don't get enough sleep, you're going to in increase your chances of brain disease or Alzheimer's. What about judgment? Think about why sleep deprivation is used as an interrogation tactic or why sleep deprivation is used during boot camps. It's to help influence the mind of the people that they're not letting sleep enough. Well, you don't get enough sleep. Your prefrontal cortex, it actually goes to sleep. And now you start making decisions based on emotion instead of logic. And then your situational awareness is impaired. Your reaction time goes down. And guess what happens when all this stuff comes together? If you're an athlete, imagine you have football practice until 11 p.m. during camp. And then you're woken up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Well, guess what? Your risk of injury increases by almost 2%. If you compare 6 hours of sleep versus 8 hours of sleep, your risk of injury goes up by, I'm sorry, not 2%, 2 times. 2 times. Now, why is that? Well, when you don't have enough sleep, I just said, your judgment's impaired. You can't tell the distance. You, you lose this judgment of distance, speed, time. Maybe I go back to some faulty movement pa patterns. Right? So now, all the things that I've learned through proper coaching, through proper, proper skill development, it's gone because I haven't gotten enough sleep. So this is the stuff that we need to think about when we're giving up sleep to try and get better at other activities. Now let's, let's flip this around, right? Let's talk about what happens when you do get enough sleep. Well, there's some studies that they did on high-performing athletes. I'm going to give you a couple examples. The first one is they had swimmers. And for a few weeks, they had them sleep over 10 hours a night. They gained 8% in their 15-meter sprint time and 20% in the reaction time off the block. Think about the level of training that you would have to go through to make those gains. And they got them just from adding sleep. They took basketball players. Same thing. 10-plus hours of sleep for several weeks. Their free throw accuracy went up by 9%. And their three-point accuracy also went up by 9%. Again, think about the level of training you would have to go through to get better at that skill. Here's another study they did with professional baseball players. They tracked 80 of those players for three years. Of those players, those who slept well, 72% of them remained in the league. Those with bad sleep habits, severe sleep habits, only 14% of those are still in the league. So really think about that. The last thing, you know, people just care about their physical performance. Let's get into the mental performance. If you're just a student, so I don't know why they, you're listening to this. If you're just a, a guy who goes to school and doesn't work out, but whatever. If, you, if, if you're just a student, your grades are going to go up. The U.S. Military Academy increased their sleep 
of their cadets from six to eight hours and their GPAs went up 11%. So why does this all happen? Why does sleep actually make you better at what you're going to do? So the great Greg Manos actually talked about this a lot when he was a coach at St. Joseph by the Sea. He talked about visualizing. Visualize it. Write it down. Visualize it. Well, they say that this passive visualization is 50% as effective as actually doing something. It actually helps rewire your brain so that you're learning these motor skills. Well, when you're sleeping, what it's doing, it's connecting the dots. It's smoothing out the gaps in your motor skill learning. When you learn things while you're awake, it breaks it into small chunks. But while you're asleep, it smooth out, smooths out all those gaps. All right, so just, uh, I don't know, imagine that when you're learning things, it's like reading chapters of a textbook while you're awake. And when you're asleep, it takes those individual chapters and puts it into an entire story. It's also where the saying, sleep on it, comes from. Sometimes if you have a problem, it's, I'll sleep on it. I know when I do adult learning at work, the best thing to do is to train people one day, let them go home, let them go to bed, come back the next day they know it, and now they can apply it. There were some great inventors, one of them, Thomas Edison, who would, he would purposely nap. He would actually use it as a, as a tool for creativity. He'd sleep with these uh, little ball bearings in his hand. He'd put this little saucer pan underneath it, and he'd kind of take a quick nap. And as the, when he fell asleep, he'd let go of those ball bearings. They'd drop on the ball, the saucer, they'd wake him back up. I know for me personally, the greatest things that I've ever come up with, the most innovative things I've ever come up with, have actually all been on vacation. Why? One, because I have a clear head. But two, I bring a lot of self-help books. I read a chapter. I take a nap. I wake up. I have great ideas. I write them down. I read a chapter. I take a nap. I wake up. I have great ideas. I write them down. That brain is connecting those learning my, uh, learnings in my mind that during sleep that they couldn't do while I was awake. All right, so now we've talked enough about why sleep. Sleep is good. No sleep is bad. It's pretty simple. But I, the key words that I was using was enough sleep. Right? I'm not saying that just sleeping is good. There has to be the right quantity of sleep. So what's the right quantity? Well, for most of the population, seven to nine hours is optimal. When I say most of the population, that's 70%. There are very few people, there's a very small percentage of the population that can get away with less sleep than that. If you're an athlete, you actually need more sleep than 7 to 9 hours. If you're under the age of 24, you need about 10. Alright, if you're under the age of 24, you need about 10 hours of sleep. So you, you young athletes who think you're impervious to anything and you could do whatever you want, you're actually missing out. You're slowing yourself down. And why is it important to get so much sleep? Well, you got to understand that there's different stages of sleep. There's REM sleep. There's non-REM sleep. So there's, there's four stages. The first three stages are non-REM sleep. And then the fourth stage of sleep is REM sleep. REM stands for rapid eye movement. And when you're in this REM sleep, the brain is paralyzing the body so you can dream safely. And we talked before about how the, the brain is smoothing out the gaps in your motor learning patterns. It's actually taking all the stuff that you learn, both physically and mentally, over the course of the day and making you just better at everything. Well, you can never get to that REM sleep if you don't sleep long enough to get there. And really, it's those deep stages, stage three and four, where your body replenishment takes place. Your metabolism's improved. Your cardiovascular system's improved. So you, you can't just sleep for 20 minutes. You have to get through those cycles of sleep enough times so that you're able to get your body to its optimal fun functioning point. So how do you know if you've gotten enough sleep, right? 
I know people wear these fancy things on their wrists and they're looking at apps, but there's been a lot of studies that show these things are not optimal. The, true, the simplest way to know if you're getting enough sleep or not is that if you feel tired or drowsy after lunch, you're not getting enough sleep. It's not because you ate a bad lunch. It's because you haven't gotten enough sleep. And people are really, really bad at, letting, at really knowing if they're sleep deprived or not. And the worse you are, the worse it is to know. It's kind of like a person who's drunk, right? If someone's completely drunk, try telling them they're drunk. They're never going to get it. Well, it's the same thing with sleep deprivation. If you think, if, you, if you're so sleep deprived that you, like you're exhausted, you're not going to be able to even know that you're sleep deprived. So if you're the biggest thing, if you're feeling tired after lunch, then you know that you have a sleep issue and you need to get more hours of sleep. So there's something called sleep debt. And you can actually pay off this sleep debt. So let's just say this. If you were supposed to sleep eight hours last night, but you only got seven, you have one hour of sleep debt. You can make up that one hour by sleeping nine hours tomorrow. Now, you can have up to 50 hours of sleep debt. So if I have 50 hours of sleep debt, and tonight I sleep nine hours, well, now I only have 49 hours of sleep debt. It doesn't mean that I'm going to feel great the next day. So you have to work off all of that sleep debt that you've gained. So I'm going to repeat that again. Don't just think that because tonight you got eight or nine hours of sleep, you're going to feel great in the morning tomorrow. You actually have to work off the sleep debt that you've accumulated over the last month, year, whatever it is. You got to pay that debt back. You also can't store sleep. So let's just say, ah, I know next week I'm going to Vegas, going to a big party, and uh, I, I know it's going to happen all week. I'm not getting any sleep. Let me sleep a lot this week. Nope, that's not the way it works. So you can't store it for upcoming events. You can only pay back that sleep debt after it's actually happened. Now, one good way is say you can't get that full eight hours of sleep at night. One, I'd say, relatively good way to make it up is with a nap. You can nap during the day. Napping during the day will help pay back some of that sleep debt that you missed at night. But it's really not the most effective way of doing it. One reason that could be bad is you could nap so much during the day that it's going to impact your sleep at night. You don't want that. You don't want to sleep for six hours during the day and then you can't get any sleep at night. The other thing is it's really best to sleep in the, in the cycle of your circadian rhythm, which is going to lead to this next point. It's not only good to get the right amount of sleep, it's also good to sleep at the right time. So, to keep things as simple as humanly possible, it's better to sleep when it's dark and be awake when it's light. You want to follow your circadian rhythm. It actually stresses out your body if you don't do things at the right time of day. At about 9 p.m., your melatonin secretion starts. At about 7.30 a.m., your melatonin secretion stops. If you are not in that rhythm, you're going to be all screwed up. Now, people will say, well, look, man, I'm a shift worker. I work nights. What am I supposed to do? The only good answer that I can give you is get a new job. I can't get a new job. I don't know. How much does your health depend on this? And there are, there's a lot of valuable things that are done with shift workers. The one other way you can do it is to pay off that sleep debt when you're not on shift. There's some companies that do some real smart things where they'll kind of stagger around your shift a little bit. Uh, that'll give you some time to get that sleep debt back. But the World Health Organization has ac actually recognized shift work as a type 2A carcinogen. Think about that. Think about that. Now, 
what if you're a night owl or an early bird, right? You want to switch it up. It actually takes about two weeks to switch from one to the other. And I'm saying this because it's important to get on the same schedule as a person that you're living with. So my wife used to be a night owl. I was an early bird. And now we're both sleeping on the same schedule so we don't wake each other up in the morning and one's not watching TV while the other one's trying to get, a bed at, get to bed at night. It takes about two weeks, but if you consistently get that same bed wake time, you can convert what you actually are. You're not stuck at being a night owl for your entire life. Now again, there's a small percentage of the population that's an exception, but for the majority of us, you can make that conversion. Another interesting fact that is going, I'll say, uh, that aligns with sleep is that they figured out that during spring daylight savings time, that's when you lose that hour of sleep, there's actually an increase of heart attacks by 24%. On the flip side, during the fall daylight savings time, when you gain that hours of sleep, there's a decrease of heart attacks by 24%. All right, so cool. We talked about how much sleep. We talked about when you sleep. But now let's talk about the quality of sleep. All right, so what kind of sleep am I getting? Maybe I'm laying in bed and I'm staring at the ceiling, but nothing's actually happening. So how do you even know if you're actually asleep? Well, you're asleep if you don't, or we'll keep this simple. If you don't have awareness of what's going on around you, if you don't have awareness of your environment, you're asleep. If you're laying in bed and you hear a clock ticking or your dog, I don't know, whimpering or something, right? You, or you're not being stimulated by what's going on around you, then you're asleep. But if you can hear that TV going or something moving around, you're not sleeping. So you have to make sure that you're getting good quality sleep. And also by that, I'm meaning that you can't do things to quote-unquote knock yourself out. Yeah, I sleep better when I drink uh, uh, two bottles of wine. That's not going to work. If you get drunk to go to sleep, I'd say you're almost as good as taking a brick and knocking it over your head to go to sleep. Being knocked out and sleeping are two very different things. So too much alcohol can actually have you pass over the regenerative qualities of sleep. So I wouldn't recommend that somebody drinks a bunch of alcohol to help themselves pass out. Maybe if you need like a, a half a glass of wine to calm down so you're not so geeked out that you can't go to sleep, that's a decent technique, but don't use it as a means to go to sleep. The other obvious question that people will ask is, hey, what about melatonin? Well, it's weird because too much melatonin makes you sleep less. And the other odd thing is that melatonin only helps 50% of the population. The other wacky thing is that the recommended doses uh, for people distributing or selling or manufacturing melatonin, they range from 0.2 to 0.5 milligrams. That's a giant window. That's a giant window right there. So you have a pretty good chance of taking too much. And what I say before, if you take too much, you're going to sleep less. So melatonin may not be the way to go. Also, uh... It's pretty cool, and this is one of the one thing that people said did help sleep is tart cherry juice. Tart, tart. Ah, I have trouble saying this. Tart cherry juice. Tart cherry juice. Excuse me. That has actually helped trigger the sleep cycle. What's weird is that it's rich in mel melatonin, which I said before doesn't help everybody. It also is said that it helps you produce melatonin, which I said again doesn't help everybody. So I'm going to experiment it with it and see if it helps me. Okay. So what is something, what are things that you can do when you want to improve your quality of sleep or improve your chances of getting to bed? So this is, these are things that I do. These are things that I would recommend. I suggest that you experiment th with them yourself. For me, the best thing to do is to make a pre-sleep a pre routine. That would include 
getting yourself ready to get in bed at the same time every night. You want to try and be consistent every night with your sleep. You don't want to be in bed at 11 o'clock one night and 8.30 the other. You want to try and get this consistency so your body gets on this clock. The other thing that I like to do before I go to bed is stretch. It calms me down. It helps me work on my breathing. It gets me into a good spot. And it really helps me get my mindset to be able to have a good night's sleep. I'll also sit in bed and I'll read a nonfiction book. If I read a self-help book, my mind goes nuts. I just get overwhelmed with all the ways that I am uh, insignificant or need to improve myself. So th these are things that I would like to do p as part of this pre-sleep routine. I also, when I get into bed, as I'm laying in bed, and if this links back to our Secrets of Strength podcast and the breathing aspect, I really, that's when I'll work on my box breathing. I'll work on my deep diaphragmatic breathing. I'll really just work on ways to get my parasympathetic nervous system in check and to really get my body calmed down and my mind calmed down. Along those same lines, I don't, if I have things on my mind, I make what's called a, a worry list, so things that I'm really worried about, I'll write them down. This way I make sure I don't forget them and I'll remember them. Or if I don't have things that I'm worried about, I'll make a gratitude list. And those, I'll, the gratitude list I'll just make mentally, things that I'm happy about, puts my mind at ease. Or the worry list I'll write down so I'm not up all night thinking about, oh my God, how, can I, how am I going to handle all these problems? What if I forget them? The world's going to end. Okay, something else that's pretty cool for me, again, you could do your own thing. I like to brush my teeth early. So I don't want to, you know, they always tell you, you got to shut off all the lights in your room. Uh, if you're going to have thing, if you're going to have these lights on, you don't want this blue light because blue light is delaying the release of melatonin. You don't want this blue light hitting you. So maybe you wear these glasses that block out the blue light. But I like to have the light shut off. And now imagine they're shut off and you say, oh, I got to go brush my teeth. You walk into the bathroom, you put the lights on. I got an electronic toothbrush. Um, it's like I'm in a discotheque, right? It's insanity. So... You don't want to get yourself all geeked out before you go to bed. So shut the lights off, brush your teeth much earlier than when you go to bed, and really make sure that you're not getting yourself in a, in a frenzy. Along those same lines is people say, well, look, man, I work out at uh, 11 o'clock at night. How am I supposed to come home and go right to bed? The answer is you probably can't. So a good rule of thumb is to get your workout in at least four hours prior to your bedtime. You don't want to and you also don't want to be have an exercise that's so intense and you're in this state of a high that it's going to stop you going to bed. I know uh, last year we had some football practices and I was so excited about what happened. I came home and I literally just sat in bed thinking about everything that happened the entire night and I couldn't get to sleep. I got literally zero hours of sleep multiple days of the week because we had this late football practice. I'm getting home at like 9.30. I'm usually in bed by 8. I'm getting home at 9.30 and now here I am just sitting there thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and I couldn't get any sleep. People will also ask, well, what about eating? Uh, I heard that if you eat too much, you know, you're going to have bad dreams. Or if I eat too little, I'm not going to get to sleep. Well, one thing to think about is that the only animal that deprives itself of sleep, all right, the only animal that deprives itself of sleep, and I'm not talking about unions, uh, humans, are ones that are starving. So human beings are the only ones that voluntarily give up sleep. The only other time animals do that is if they're starving. So you need to eat. Don't eat so much that you feel sick to your stomach and you have to get up and go to the bathroom 15 times. But don't eat so little that you're starving and then your body thinks it's, uh, it needs food, so it's giving itself more time to go out and hunt. All right, so really balance out that eating. That goes in line with balancing out your working out. The other thing that I'd recommend is eliminating pain that is causing you bad stress. 
uh, for me, my, my hip might be jacked up or my shoulder might be jacked up. Well, if you can't lay on that part of your body, it's going to be impossible to go to bed. Now, look, let's, let's go back to the secrets of strength and the breathing aspect. If you do that right, it makes everything else easier. Well, we already talked about that if you are breathing in the right way, you might get rid of injuries in your shoulders, in your hips. So maybe if you're breathing right, it's going to take away the pain that you have that's going to stop you from sleeping the right way. Hopefully, you're starting to see as we go through this stuff that all of this stuff links together. All of this stuff connects. The other thing that they say is to keep your room cool at about 67 degrees Fahrenheit. So you don't want to have this, this hot room. Uh, I'd almost think, you know, in my mind, it's counterintuitive. You want to be warm and cozy. You don't want to be shivering all night, but you want the room at about 67 degrees. And I'd say, most importantly, and this is for those that are you, for you that are married or living with somebody, you need to sync this up with the person that you live with. If your wife goes to bed at 10 o'clock and watches TV and keeps the room at 80 degrees and needs some sort of TV on when she goes to bed, well, guess what? You're not going to get a healthy night's sleep. You need to get on the same page as the person that you're living with and make sure you have these same sleep cycles, that you can, guys can have these same parameters or these sleep patterns, or it's going to be really rough, really rough getting to sleep and having an effective night's sleep. Now, I am not going to claim for one second that I am the best at this. I am not. And throughout my life, the thing that I've always given up the most was sleep. I've always given that up. I've always thought, you know what? This, I can do this. I'm going to battle through this. I'm going to grind. I'm going to kill this thing. I'm going to give up sleep. I'm going to get as much done as I possibly can today. And I'm going to be the best man I can be tomorrow. But after doing this research, and I, I say this journey for me started a few years ago, yeah, I wake up at 4.20 in the morning, but I also go to bed at about 8.15 at night. And yeah, we have a training crew that we predominantly work out super early in the morning. Now, when I was a younger trainer, I was dumb. I train guys at 10 o'clock at night, train them, and then have them wake up 5.30 in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning for another training session. Those, day, those things don't happen anymore because I've understood the value of sleep based on the studies that I've done for the last few years. So for our group, what we do, yeah, we do train early in the morning. We don't do it every morning. Right now we do it uh, once a week for outdoor training. A couple of guys train with me uh, maybe a few times a week. But we make sure, at least to each other, we'll, we'll send text to each If I send a text to the group out at 9.30, a guy's going to call me out and say, get to sleep, especially if we have training the next day. So you kind of need to surround yourself with people doing the right thing. So this is the hardest one of all of them. And I know that the guru... That guru talked about sleep, and he made that whole story. And when I say the guru, I mean Eric Thomas, the guy who told that story about the guru who put the guy's head underwater. And he said, when you want to breathe as much as you want to be successful, then, you'll, then you've made it. And he also said that we have people that want to sleep more than they want to succeed. And he's talked about this. But he also went back on a later podcast and said, yeah, I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, but I go to bed at 7. He was also talking about getting that eight hours of sleep. So uh, this is the hard one, at least for me. If you're an overachiever, it's going to be the hard one. Hopefully, you guys have taken a lot out of this. I'm just going to give a quick summary to recap this thing. We're going to keep it as simple as humanly possible. No sleep is bad. Enough sleep is good. If you feel tired after lunch, you're not getting enough sleep. You can make up sleep debt with naps. And you can make up sleep debt by trying to get extra hours of sleep, but only up to 50. 
the best, th- the quality of your sleep matters. So taking supplements or trying to get drunk or hitting yourself over the head with a 2x4 is not the best means of going to bed. And when you sleep matters, try to sleep when it's dark, try to be awake when it's light. And to get to sleep effectively, develop a pre-sleep routine. You're going to develop a routine for the gym. You're going to develop a routine for your nutrition. Well, be that same type of person who's going to develop a sleep routine so you got a fighting chance. And I'm, I'm, I'm really urging you, if you are a uh, football coach, some sort of an instructor, I don't know, whoever you are, take this into account. If, you're, if you have athletes in your hands, now with the information that you have, how are you going to change things so that you are not depriving those athletes of sleep? Because while you tr- may be trying to make them better or tougher or whatever, and this is stuff, again, that I, I, I've come a long way personally in my coaching and, and for myself in my training, everything you're trying to do to that person by depriving them of sleep is just making them worse. All right. Please contact me if you want to talk about this more, even if you need a, some sort of a support system or if you have some great tips, I'd love to hear them. For me personally, this is the hardest one in my journey. Coming soon, the next step of this Secrets of Strength is going to be nutrition. It's going to be another life changer. All right, thank you.